0: I have entitled my message this morning as, Pause to Ponder this Christmas, Pause to Ponder this Christmas. Do you know that, uh, did you know that uh, the date for Christmas celebration as December 25th was set up only in the year 353, so before that nobody celebrated Christmas. Because uh, every Sunday was a celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Over the years, if you notice, contraptions or additions to the Christmas story has come about so much that during the time of Christmas, we are spending more time doing the rest of it rather than actually concentrating on the birth of Jesus. If you notice even the Christmas story, we have had so many additions to that. The nativity scene, for example, you'll find three wise men appearing in the manger. The Bible never tells us about three wise men being there. neither does the Bible tell us they came to the manger. Because the Bible very clearly tells us that they came to the house where he was staying. Also, when you look at the uh, scene of uh, during Christmas, you'll find uh, uh, Mary riding on a donkey to Bethlehem. The Bible doesn't say that either, isn't it, okay? So over a period of time we can have so many additions to that, that we actually forget the whole purpose of Christmas, okay? C.S. Lewis in one of his books writes about a young boy who during Easter time wrote a poem. The first line of that poem was Chocolates and Easter. Now for a young boy at that age, chocolates and Easter meant a lot. But he goes on and says, once you grow older, you have to choose between one or the other. If at times your thinking is only about chocolates, then you have forgotten about the resurrection of Jesus. Similarly, even when you are thinking of Christmas, as you grow up, maybe when you grew up as a child, you had all the other contraptions, but when you have grown up, you must understand and take up for yourself the real purpose and meaning of Christmas. I would like to focus our attention this morning on two passages of scripture where it speaks very specifically about what happened during Christmas time. And as a result of that, right throughout later on, Mary treasured these things in her heart and pondered over it. Okay. Two times this, passage, this verse appears. The first time where the shepherds have come and visited Mary and when they have declared, hey, this is what the angel told us and this is true, the Bible records for us Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered over it. Then later on also at the age of 12 when Jesus appears in the temple and discusses in a major theological issues with the rabbis of that day and Finally, when their parents meet up with Jesus, Jesus says, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? A 12-year-old retorting to his mother who has lost a child and found the child again. The child responds and says, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? And this again, she treasures in her heart. So our, my focus of attention this morning in our uh, study together will primarily be this. What are you really treasuring in your heart about Christmas? What are you really pondering in your heart during Christmas time? What are you really thinking through? What are your thoughts centered around? Okay. Now as parents, when the little one is born in your home, remember you like to keep the different milestones, isn't it? The first time, and of course today we have digital cameras, so every moment can be snapped, okay? You have the first smile, the first movement, the first words, the first step, and all the rest of the first things that go on with it. And even as the child grows older, sometimes the parents will still keep reminding of the Guruana Badal. Hey, look here, you are like that, okay? And they are remembering all these things. This is a treasuring in their hearts. I wonder if Mary kept a baby book, you know, okay, there were no books at that time, you know, but uh, in the terms of Mary has treasured all these things that happened to Jesus right from before he was born, when he was born, when he was taken to be crucified, when he rose up again, and she has kept all these things in her heart, pondering over that, and as a result, at the day of Pentecost and when the church was established, she is there. She recognizes this is true. Pondering basically means not just thinking about it. But it is like putting two and two together and making it fall. Now when you are going through that process, two and two is not helping you to understand this is going to lead to fall, but you are keeping these things in mind pondering over it. In fact, the Greek word that is used for ponder primarily means to place together for comparison. To place together for comparison. So when we are going through different situations in our lives, when we place together for comparison, what do we place together? One, we place who God is and what he has mentioned about himself and his workings in our lives on our behalf. We place that on one side and on the other hand, we place the reality of what we are going through now, which may be at times contrary to what we are thinking about who God is. When we place together both of that together and ponder over it, we will find that we will be increased in our faithfulness to the great God whom we worship. And that would lead us, that would lead us through the times to come through to the point of the resurrection to give new life into our hearts and to be willing to be part of the fellowship that God has placed us in. So this morning, whatever journey of faith you may be going through, I would like to share with you maybe seven different aspects where Mary could have pondered about some of these things. In two passages of scripture I mentioned, it is very specifically that verse is mentioned, but there are definitely other situations that Mary would have pondered. And based on that, we will try and draw some analogy in our own lives of what we are going through in our lives today. And how you and I today can also, should also place together, ponder together in our minds what God is doing in our lives that would lead us into a closer walk with God. So, first of all, let's look at the Webster meaning dictionary, (coughs) Webster's uh, dictionary meaning of ponder. Webster's dictionary suggests that it could be a careful weighing or a prolonged inconclusive thinking about a problem. That is how the Webster's dictionary defines in ponder. To ponder means to think and sometimes with no conclusions whatsoever. The word that is used there is also speaking about, the Greek word that is used there speaks about throwing together or tossing things around. It is like there are things that are hanging around or you are looking at a jigsaw puzzle. The whole pieces are put together on the table and you are pondering over it. Now you can look at those pieces and wonder what is all you know, what is all up to. Or you can look at that pieces and work together so that a beautiful image is resulted from that. Isn't it? That is what pondering is all about. Okay, And when the Bible speaks about Mary kept these things in her heart the word that is used there for kept primarily means to preserve something from being lost to preserve something from being lost. God has given you and me the deposit of faith in our hearts when we have come to know him. But as we journey in our faith, in our walk with God, there are different situations that come about in our lives. But if we are not able to weigh together, if we are not able to see how these pieces fit together, then our faith in the process can either go off. Or can it be strengthened? So this morning, look back on your life from the time that you have known him to all that you have gone through thus far. Has it led you, the good times as well as the bad times, into a closer walk with God? or because of situations that have happened and you have not pondered over these things, you have not seen how these puzzles fit together, you are still in a puzzle state wondering what is life doing to me. Moving on, there are different types of pondering (coughs) that a person can do. One is more passive than active. More passive than active. And this is what for a lot of people pondering is all about. Okay? It is a prolonged, inconclusive period of thinking. So it is more passive than active. No end result of that. You are just daydreaming as it were. Or maybe during Christmas time you may say, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. That is what you are pondering over, no conclusive thinking, no ending, it is just something vague in the air. You have nothing to do, so you are just thinking about different things, it doesn't really make sense. But our pondering has to be, secondly, more active and an engaging process. More active and an engaging process. When you are thinking about the incarnation of Jesus into this world, the thought of the eternal one taking on human flesh, that is something that we need to ponder upon. So that the more we ponder about this truth, how could God, why did God do this for me? And that's the whole purpose of Christmas, isn't it? The more we think about it, the more we ponder about it, the more we look at passages of scripture and see how these things fit together. It makes sense in our lives and then we are able to live lives that are pleasing before Him. Or this morning you could be in that category of the hardly worth pondering. Maybe you had once upon a time a vibrant faith in the Lord. You believe that God is the God of miracles. You believe that the God is the God of the present, the one who gives life. But. Over the years, maybe different things have happened. Maybe deaths have happened in your home and you didn't expect that to happen. Or maybe you were looking for some miraculous thing, it did not work out. And as a result, you are having, what's the point of thinking further? Is it really worth living for God when he's not giving all that I have asked for? Now, when you are thinking about the truth of what God's Word says and you are looking at reality how, how you're uh, what you are facing, would you see of how the puzzles fit together or because you have taken two pieces and it doesn't seem to fit together, would you say I am going to give up solving this uh, puzzle? You and I need to spend time pondering about the truths of scripture. Pondering about what's happening in our own lives and see how they fit together. Or fourthly, you can even ponder negatively. You can even ponder negatively and you can be in a state in which you say, I give up. Maybe this morning you're sitting in church but you're saying, this doesn't make sense to me anymore. If you notice in recent times there are a lot of individuals who once upon a time were vibrant Christian leaders. And suddenly they turned around and said, Christianity doesn't make sense to me anymore. Why did they do that? Because they went through situations in life. They were not able to piece the pieces together. And they said, I give up. This morning, even if you are in that category, let me encourage you. There is good news for you because that is what Christmas is all about. Christmas enables us to ponder the truths of God, how he works in our lives and how they fit together. Luke Johnson, a commentator, puts it across this way. He says the contrast between the angelic voices and the earthly reality is sharp. Think of the moment. The shepherds, angelic voices, but where was the baby Jesus born? In a manger. The contrast between one which was angelic and the other which was so earthly and down to earth was so sharp. No wonder, he says, Mary turned these events in her heart trying to understand them. But the beauty of it is when we give room for God when we give room for God and allow Him to guide us in our ponderings, then it makes sense. Then it fits together. And as a result, we would be able to come into a closer walk with God. Remember, the Bible tells us that Mary pondered these things, not in her mind alone, but in her heart. In other words, there were emotions involved with that. It was not just a mental struggle, but it was very much a part of her inner being. She wanted to know desperately from the bottom of her heart, Lord, how does this all fit together? So when you and I also do this, you will come into a closer walk with God. But when we don't do this, what will happen? We can lose God's word. God's word has been given to us, isn't it? It's the living word, the written word, the living word, the life-giving word. But if you are not willing to ponder the truths of scripture, truths are still there, but we have lost out those words. So let me encourage you during this Christmas season to make sure that if in case whatever level you are in and you are pondering, whether you have drifted far away or you are in the actual process of stimulating your mind and your heart to understand God, why did this happen this year? How does this make sense in my life? Whatever stage you may be in, let me encourage you this morning not to give up but to press on. So let's get to the different aspects where Mary would have pondered things over. First of all, at the time of the Annunciation, the Annunciation is basically when the angel came and spoke to Mary. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 29 onwards. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary's question to that was, "How will this be?" When we turn in our Bibles from Old Testament to New Testament, it's a question of just turning a few pages, isn't it? But if you really look at it, it's around 400 years. Okay, so 400 years of silence, no prophets. No individuals, no hearing the voice of God, no angelic voices over there. And after 400 years, Mary receives a message from this angel to say, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Are you going through a period in which God has seemed to be silent in your life? it may not be 400 years, but for you it may seem to be 400 years. It's a long time. Lord, I've been praying. I've been waiting for an answer, but you have been doing nothing. Why Lord? In this message, this morning to us, each one of us is, the Lord is with us. He is not silent. He is speaking. He is not silent. He is there with us. And the angel then goes on and explains to Mary what is going to happen. That the Messiah that they were looking for, that every young girl child at that time was looking forward to, that she would be the one that would bring forth the Messiah. That was happening. This was the reality that it was going to take place. But an immediate question is, if I'm going to be the one who's going to bear the child, but I'm a virgin, how can I do it? In other words, what is my role? I don't have a role in this. And the Lord says, yes, you don't have a role, because the role is entirely the Lord's. Now the Holy One that is going to be born, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Remember oftentimes in our journey of faith, we think about what is my role? What do I have to do, isn't it? And the Bible tells us, the Lord says, you give it up to me, I will do it for you. And when we are willing to see that the Lord who has assured us, the Lord who has promised to be with us, even though it appears to be that it's a 400 years of silence. God still comes and says to us even this morning, the Lord is with you. So do not give up. Okay? Now, in an angel story by Max Lucado, Max Lucado brings another Bible story alive in a lot of cases and he describes an imaginary conversation between God and Lucifer just before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Okay. This is what he writes, he says, the king walked over and reached for the book. He turned it around, he turned it toward Lucifer and commanded, come deceiver, read the name of the one who will call your bluff, read the name of the one who will storm your gates. Satan slowly uh, rose from his hunches. Like a weary wolf, he walked a wide circle toward the desk until he stood before the volume and read the word Emmanuel. He muttered to himself, then spoke in a tone of disbelief, God with us? For the first time, the hooded head turned squarely toward the face of the father. No, not even you would do that. Not even you would go so far. You've never believed me, Satan. But Emmanuel, the plan is bizarre. You don't know what it's like on earth. You don't know how dark I have made it. It's putrid. It's evil. It is mine, proclaimed the king, and I will reclaim what is mine. I will become flesh. I will feel what my creatures feel. I will see what they see. But what of their sin? I will bring mercy. What of their death? I will give life. Satan stood speechless. God spoke. I love my children. Love does not take away the beloved's freedom, but love takes away fear. And Emmanuel will leave behind a tribe of fearless children. They will not fear you or your hell. Satan stepped back at the thought. His retort was childish. They will too. I will take away all sin, I will take away death. Without sin and without death, you have no power. Around and round in a circle, Satan paced, clenching and unclenching his wiry fingers. When he finally stopped, he asked a question that even I was thinking, Why? Why would you do this? And the Father's voice was deep and soft, Because I love them. Amen. This morning, you may be going through years of silence and you're saying, Why, Lord? Where are you, Lord? But the Lord's word to you this morning is, He is there with you the Lord is there with you. Make sense of those pieces. Ponder upon this truth. He loves us so much. So if he has sent his only son into this world to become a man and die for you and me, wouldn't he be with us through the thick and thin of life? He's definitely going to be there. Secondly, Mary would have pondered at the time of the birth of Jesus, at the time of the birth of Jesus. Remember, Luke, when he writes this Gospel, is very careful to put this thought across that Jesus was not a myth, that Jesus was very much a part of history. He speaks about Caesar Augustus. He speaks about the governor by the name of Quirinius. He speaks about all these individuals to ensure that the historical fact of coming of Jesus into this world is definitely recorded for us. Okay? now. What happened during this time when Jesus was going to be born? Caesar made this massive registration plan. What was the plan? That everybody should go to their hometown for the census to be taken. Now remember, Mary is with child. Okay? Put yourself in Mary's shoes. What would your question have been? Lord, why did you allow this Caesar to do this registration only at this time when I am with child? To go on a journey to Bethlehem, long journey, 80 miles, when you are with child, not an easy task. Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Remember Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar and he was the first son to be called, first Caesar to be called as Augustus. Okay? What does Augustus mean? It means holy or revered. It was a title reserved for only the gods, but he wanted to make Roman Emperor a god. So Augustus was a man who wanted to become a god. What we see in this text is that God became a man. God became a man. What a contrast. But look at that Bethlehem incident. Okay? If you were Mary at this time, i saying, Lord, why are you taking me through these hardships? Why did they have to go to Bethlehem? In order for the prophecy that was done seven hundred years ago. Oh, Bethlehem of Ephrata. This is the place where the child is going to be born. The prophecy was going to be fulfilled in Bethlehem. And as a result, God is the one who masterminded the event of Caesar Augustus to make sure that he will pass the decree to go for a census right at that particular time. Who is in charge? God is in charge. Now you and I may go through situations in life and say, Lord this government has said this, this government has done this. Who is in charge? God is the one who is in charge. You may go through situations in life and say, Lord why is this happening in this juncture in my life, Lord? Maybe you are saying, I just got a job, or I just got married, or I just this happened. God, why this juncture that I have to go through this stress, I have to go through this strain. Remember, God is the one who is in charge. And if you can put the pieces together, you will find that God has a purpose. Now you may not know that purpose now. But I'm sure Mary would have recognized, even as she studied scripture in Micah in chapter 5 and verse 2, you will find that she would be able to understand that this was definitely a part of God's plan. You and I also, when we ponder it, when we put these things together, then it will make sense. Thirdly, at the place of the birth of Jesus, at the place of the birth of Jesus. Have you ever questioned this thought about how did the shepherds know where to find Jesus?
1: Remember the angels
0: only came and said what? You will see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Did they go knocking on every manger and saying is there a baby here? Is there a baby here? Is there a baby here? Tough job to find. And remember it's census time? Lot of people in Bethlehem. How are you going to find out where the child is going to be born. Again, when you look at scripture, we find Micah chapter 4 and verse 8 speaks about the tower of the flock. The power of the flock. <coughs> this was the place where ewes were brought to give birth to the lambs. And these special lambs came from a unique flock which were designated for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. The shepherds who kept them were men who were specifically trained for raising sacrificial lambs. They were educated in what it took to keep these lambs spotless and unharmed. And these lambs were apparently wrapped in swaddling clothes to prevent them from injury. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4 tells us, where no oxen are, the crib or the manger is clean. Now again in nativity scenes we find Jesus was born with a lot of animals all around. Okay, That is not the truth. Okay? So the shepherds knew exactly that the tower of the flock is where the manger is clean. No animals are allowed there besides the sacrificial lambs. Okay? And the tower also would have been kept spotless because these animals were destined for the temple and these shepherds were individuals who knew about this sheep. And as a result, as soon as the angel gives the message, they know the exact spot. The place where he was going to be born, now if you are married, alone in Bethlehem, in a manger, you have questions suddenly and it? shepherds come knocking and say, we found it, you know, treasure these things. How did they put two and two together? How did the shepherds put two and two together? It is interesting that the Lamb of God was born in the place where the Passover lambs was born. God is the one who is in control. The exact time of his birth the place of his birth as well. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you and I could become rich. Jesus was born in such a humble situation just for our sake. Now again, the Bible tells us when they came to <coughs> Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the inn, okay? They not say there were plenty of inns. Bethlehem is a small town, just one inn, and no place in that inn. No vacancy sign over there. Ray Steadman puts it across this way. And I wonder if you have had these questions too when you go through situations in life. Now you would think that if God so rules the world as to use an empire-wide census to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, he surely could have seen to it that a room was available in the inn. Sometimes we ask that, isn't it? Lord, you brought me here. Couldn't you have done this also? Right? Yes, he could have. Jesus could have been born into a wealthy family. He could have turned stone into bread in the wilderness. He could have called ten thousand angels to his aid in Gethsemane. He could have come down from the cross and saved himself. The question is not what God could do, but what he willed to do. The question is not what God could do, but what what he willed to do. Do you have questions like that in your mind this morning? God, couldn't you have done this? Couldn't you have kept me safe? It's not the question of what God could do. Yes, he could. But what he will do. What has he done? What has he allowed? And if he has allowed that, that's a plan and purpose. Ponder that. Put two and two together. Make the pieces fit together. Fourthly, at the actual birth of Jesus. At the actual birth of Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us what the word became flesh. And took up residence among us. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was only eighty miles. Was only eighty miles. But how far was God's journey? It was a journey in which the eternal Son of God laid aside His glory, traveled down through time and space at the speed of thought to take upon Himself our likeness. Long journey for God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, took up residence among us. God became man. That is the beauty of Christmas. And during this Christmas time we need to emphasize the fact of the Virgin birth of Jesus, not the fact that Mary was the Virgin, but the conception that took place was from God because there was no sin from Joseph's side, no sin from Mary's side, because that which was born in her was sinless, the Holy One. The importance of the virgin birth is important at Christmas time. Why? Because it speaks about the deity of Christ. But so often in today's world, people say, oh, Jesus was just a man. He was not God. But no, the beauty of Christmas, the fact of the birth of Christmas tells us that God became a man. So put your things together. If God was willing to become flesh for us, feel with what we are going through, suffer with what we go through, isn't he a great comfort and solace in whatever you are going through life? Put those pieces together. Ponder upon these thoughts. Fifthly, you find that the surprise arrival of the shepherds. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, chapter 2, we read this about the shepherds coming over. They hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds were excited, they went and told to everybody, but what did Mary do? She pondered these thoughts in her life. Even at this very moment, there are different things that she would have thought about. The fact that God brought them safely to Bethlehem, kept them safe, that was the hand of God. God arrived at that very particular moment, the child was born, the shepherds came to question, investigate and to confirm. If you were Mary at this point of time, how would you have felt when you are alone in that manger? Nobody would to, you know, sort of take care of the child, nobody to assist you in the giving of the birth of the child. You are all alone in that stony area. Okay? And when you are thinking about a crib, by the way, don't think about hay and soft and all that. It was actually a water trough. Okay? It was made of stone. Okay? So to lay the baby in that cold stone is not going to be easy. And you are staying in that situation and suddenly the angel, the shepherds come and say, hey, this is it. They give glory to God. How would you have felt? You are going to say, God, you are so gracious. In my point of need, when I was all alone, you sent these people to comfort, to strengthen, to affirm what you have given to me. Amen. This morning, whatever situation you are going through, God gives you this message. The shepherds came and encouraged Mary. This morning, take this message as encouragement to say, God is there with you. Make sense, make those pieces fit together. Sixthly, at the thought that he was about to die, remember after <coughs> 33 days, Mary goes to the temple to offer the child, okay. At this particular moment, Simeon, the individual who is there, a devout worshipper, he prophesies and says, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, okay. Imagine, 33 days. Okay? And Simon prophesy not good things. Okay? He's saying, a sword will run up pierce through your heart also. A prophesy about what is going to happen in the future. That Jesus was born to die. And she has treasured these things in her heart. You remember later on, when Jesus starts out his ministry, his brothers and mother come along and are searching for him. And Jesus turns around and says, who is my mother? Who is my brother's? The one who follows after me. If you're the mother at that time, how would you have felt? I brought this kid up and now he turns around and speaks like that to me. Now, she treasured these things in her heart. At the cross, Jesus is standing there, Mary is standing there weeping. Jesus says, Woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. She treasures these things. Then at the resurrection, at the tomb, then even at the early church. Here she is one who has put these things, she has not given up. Even when things got tough for her, even when he began to go out on that ministry, even when he began to go to the direction that he was going to be killed, even at the foot of the cross, she has not given up. Don't give up when things are hard for you, but ask the Lord to put those pieces together. okay. The thought that Jesus was born to die. Life is not going to be a bed of roses. Even though we want it to be. We expect that God, if you are God, you can do this. Yes, he can do that. But what is he doing? And through that process, what is he teaching you? That is what our pondering is all about. Finally, the seventh one. At the time, twelve-year-old Jesus is found among the teachers. In the temple in Jerusalem. You find this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, when Jesus says, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, but they did not understand what you are saying to them? Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Her mother treasured all these things in her heart. As parents, This is a passage that he can take comfort and strength from, isn't it? A 12-year-old child growing up, adolescent issues maybe, and you are wondering, Lord, how does this fit in all together? And Nancy Palmer Jones speaks about how all parents can find much to relate in Mary's story. And let me read her statement to you, which she puts it across so beautifully. She writes, there's a mixture of joy and fear when you know you are to bring new life into this old world. The rush of hope and the sense vast potential for truly every child does change the world in small or large ways. But also the fear that comes with the sure knowledge that our children will be hurt and will have their hearts broken. For this is the cost of living and the certainty that they will hurt us too, intentionally or not, and that their lives will pierce our souls. Fear because we must face this hurt, must open ourselves to it. Fear because we can't predict when or how these hurts will come to us and our children. All we can do is to make ourselves available and make space for the shaft of light for us and for them. And for us, it is making space to ponder in our hearts. As parents, come and your children to God. They may be going through situations in life in which it pierces your soul. But don't give up. Continue to trust God and give God the lives of your children and see what God can do for them. Let me close with three aspects of how to ponder. I think I'm going beyond my time. Okay? We must make space for pondering in our hearts. Making space means basically stopping to think. Stopping what else you are doing. During this Christmas season, let me encourage you. Yes, our hands and legs and everything are full of activities. But take time off. Take time off to ponder about the things of this year of what God has done in your life, and what you may think God has not have done. But spend time pondering, putting things together and seeing how it makes sense. How can we do this? Three things. Number one is memory. Memory. The Bible tells us she kept all these things so that it is not lost. Two aspects of memory. One aspect of memory is the memory of the truth of God's word. If we have put that into our minds then when we are facing situations we can put this and this together. If we don't have God's word in our mind we are lost, isn't it? So memorizing means first put God's word into your hearts and then the things that have happened in the past which is still there in their memory, which is still bothering you maybe, things that have happened, put that together and see Lord how does this fit in together. Secondly, our affections keep them in your heart. Okay? Meditate upon it. Think about it. Ponder upon it. Feel over those situations that have happened in your life and allow God to give you that sense of peace. And thirdly, it's your intellect where you're thinking through those issues that have happened. If we, uh, The word that we uh, translate as ponder means to put everything together then maybe we need to think about how all these things will work together in our lives. What are the connections? Isn't it? That is what pondering is. You put all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle on and you look at it and say, how will this fit with this? That is what pondering is. And let me encourage you during this season to think about that. We are living in our country and city where we see a lot of anxiety and fear and anger Sometimes those who are violent don't even know what they are angry about. They also don't recognize their own fear. And we ponder. We ponder our own fears and those things that affect the behavior of others over which we have no control. And we ponder and pray. But when we ponder and pray, what do we see? The faithfulness of God. As the well-known hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, as a stanza which says, Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings are mine with ten thousand beside. God gives us promises in his word. I say take it up by faith, put the pieces together, life turns on a new meaning.